0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to another edition of Best of Health, brought to you by Barb Regis Ask the PA. I am super excited today to share with you two amazing people. First of all, I want to clarify that they could be young enough to be my daughters. And uh, But I want to tell you a little bit about them. I had to say it. Uh, first person is a gal named Lynn Lanza. She is a registered dietitian and a certified diabetic educator. And I met her at my new job at Premise Health about 10 months ago. And we get to work together on pretty much a daily basis. And it's been amazing to learn about her career and what she's doing as a, you know, registered dietitian and a diabetic educator. The second person that we have today is someone I'm close to. Uh, Actually, I will be forward in saying she is a relative of mine. She is my cousin's daughter, and I refer to her as my niece or my whatever, but we're really close. And it's been fun because I never got to know Carrie until very recently in the last nine months, and I learned about her being an amazing registered dietitian, and she's also a certified LEAP therapist. She works at MD Anderson in an integrative clinic for cancer patients, and she also has a consulting business called uh, Feel Good Nutrition. You know, in the old days, when you thought of a registered dietitian, I always envisioned somebody that's older in spectacles at the hospital, walks in. And basically, the nurses are there bedside and goes, you need to lose weight, Tanya. You need to lose weight. And frankly, go on a diet and less sugar. And that's what you need to do. That's kind of like the stereotype for registered dietitians. But hey, I want to give you a few minutes to get to learn about these two amazing people. Carrie, tell us about yourself.
1: I became a dietitian about four years ago or so, I believe. (laughs) Um, And... I guess that interest sparked from kind of obsessed, I guess, with dieting and food and growing up in a foodie family. So becoming a dietitian was kind of, I guess, maybe the next step in my journey of learning more about food and diets and everything like that. So since then, I became, I guess, got certified as a LEAP therapist, which means I specialize in working with people with autoimmune diseases and inflammatory conditions. And we do food sensitivity testing and then put them on an elimination diet so that they can decrease the inflammation as much as possible and help manage their symptoms. Um, so I've been doing that for about the last three years when I opened my practice. And it's been probably the most rewarding part of becoming a dietitian. I really enjoyed it.
0: Wow. I can't wait to learn more about being a LEAP therapist. How about you, Lynn Lonza? <laughs> so <clears throat> my...
2: Good to see you again. Good to see you too. Sorry, all day at work today. <laughs> uh, so my story is actually kind of opposite of Carrie's. So I was interested in becoming a dietitian after doing a project in high school where I basically kind of recorded what I ate for two days and then learned about all the things that were in the foods I was eating. And it's opposite in that my family was not really foodies. I grew up in Southern Illinois. So the land of meat and potatoes. Um, And so it was fascinating to me that there was all these different um, nutrients and foods that helped me see and helped me, you know, be able to run and, you know, play and do sports and all that stuff. So it just really interests me, kind of, you know, went on from there. And I always joke that I am kind of a official nomad because in the last seven years, I've lived in five states, which means I've done a lot of different things in my career. But we bought a house in Arizona, so we're staying. (laughs) But I just recently, um, maybe about two years ago, became a certified diabetes educator um, as well. I've been a dietitian for about eight years. Um, so yeah, that allows me really to focus and specialize with patients with with diabetes. And I always kind of say, I love working with diabetes because you can, you can change things. You can change the outcome. Um, I used to work in oncology and more with pa- patients going through active treatment, and that was a lot more challenging because you couldn't, sometimes you couldn't change the outcome. You couldn't change the trajectory once they were at that point, you know, and, and as as much as you wanted to, there wasn't a whole lot that that could change, but with diabetes, you can, you know, if, if you um, are changing the way you're eating and you're moving and, um, you know, perhaps medication on board, like you can, you can really make a huge impact and live a long, healthy life. So that's why I'm really passionate about what I do.
0: And what's really cool for me is hearing both of your stories. As a healthcare practitioner, PA myself, I really believe in an integrative approach. And what you guys are doing is we're working together, and hope, hopefully with the same goals of getting people off medications, getting people uh, to realize how they can become healthy with great nutrition. And so, I want to ask you, Carrie, a question. Can you tell me exactly what? a registered dietitian is and the education involved in becoming one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So a registered dietitian has completed a four-year, at least four years in a bachelor's program. They complete... Uh, Supervised practice hours. I think it's like twelve hundred hours of supervised practice. So they're working one on one with another dietitian, um, with patients, seeing patients, um, and eventually on their own by the end of that practice. Supervised practice, Um, and then at the completion of that, they complete a registration exam through Mm -hmm. that's through the Commission of Dietetics Registration. So they're registered with the Mm
2: -hmm. Katie. So the Commission on Dietetics. Yeah. Dietetic T- registration. registration, CDR, CDR, C- Commission yeah. on yeah. Dietetic CDR. Registration. See, you put two dietitians <laughs> together, we figure it out. <laughs> yeah, <right on>. Perfect.
0: <laughs> and, you know, and they're, they're providers, uh, just like, you know, docs, nurse practitioners, and physician assistants uh, yeah. like myself. Yeah. Yeah. You have so. uh, national provider numbers like we do yep. and Absolutely. identifications, and uh, we all have our scopes of practice, and yes. that's what's so cool about everything. Now, Lynn, I got a question for you, and this one's a little loaded because you and I've had this discussion before Uh-oh. a little bit. So... I understand the education with a registered dietitian but can you clarify once and for all the difference between that and a nutritionist
2: Great great question so I was going to actually hit on that so um so to be a dietitian it's it's standardized right so if I'm going to school in New York to be a dietitian compared to going to school in LA to be a dietitian I'm going to be learning the same the same concepts essentially now it depends on the state but um, and the licensure rules in those States, but in a lot of States, anyone can really call themselves a nutritionist. So, uh, if you wanted to walk out of here and call yourself a nutritionist because you took a 10 hour course, you could. Um, and so that's really, I mean, I don't know if you have any insight on that, Carrie, but that in my mind, that kind of is what yeah. differentiates between those I, two.
1: I think absolutely. I think another point is that a dietician has to complete so many mm-hmm. hours of yes. continuing education every year. So just like other healthcare practitioners, we are required to maintain our knowledge and be up on the research and things like that. Whereas with a nutritionist, you don't have that guarantee that somebody is continuing to develop their knowledge and learn more things.
0: So then how did you become a leap therapist?
1: Um, Interesting story. So I became a leap therapist after discovering, I guess, food sensitivity testing for myself. Um, So for years and years, I struggled with IBS and found food sensitivity testing with my first job um, when I did outpatient counseling. I was exploring it for another patient. And when I was talking to somebody, they were like, oh yeah, this can help IBS. And so I took the test myself and went on the elimination diet and Resolved my IBS in two weeks, which was unheard of because I went to a GI doctor and I saw all sorts of specialists that told me nothing helpful. Basically, they put me on medication, the medicine didn't help, but I found this food sensitivity testing and the elimination diet and it helped. So then I sought out the education um, to become certified. So it involves several hours of um, self study and working with a mentor to learn about the relationship of food sensitivities and how they happen in the body versus an allergy. So a a sensitivity and an allergy are two different things. So we learned to work with that, how to eliminate foods, how to identify what the problems are. And so it's been a really good education. I think I use it every day. That's great. So So. when you
0: talk about IBS, let's clarify that's irritable bowel syndrome. Yes, sorry. That's okay. And then uh, Lynn, explain what an elimination diet means
2: yeah so uh, I'm gonna hopefully I get this right uh, and I'll let Carrie jump in because right sure be are her, 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 <laughs> her area yeah. of expertise um, <laughs> but essentially it is only consuming foods that are very low risk for sensitivities um, and then based on kind of a um, what you get back from your testing, incorporating other foods back in and waiting a period of time um, before reintroducing another food to kind of see and make sure and verify if they truly are sensitive to that. Okay. So how does that differ from just
0: a gluten-free diet? Because you know, everybody wants to go gluten-free.
2: Well, gluten is one particular type of sensitivity versus, you know, someone could also be sensitive to eggs. Someone could had someone tell me they were sensitive to strawberries and avocado, which was, I mean, like just random stuff, um, you know. Not your usual milk and cheese, right? Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So there are standard elimination diets out Mm -hmm. there, but they still include all of fruits and vegetables and gluten-free grains and things like that. Whereas... My me personally, when I got my test results back, I'm sensitive to 26 different things. They include rice, carrots, olives, wow. Wow. cinnamon, things that are just you know not every day, something. Every day, absolutely. Right. Right. Rice is
2: like quick but Rice is like one of those ones that it's like standard. You 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 do that right. first on it. Yeah. So in
1: like the bare bones elimination diet, it starts with rice, pears, and lamb. Because they don't think that people will be sensitive to those, however, when my mm-hmm. results came back, I'm sensitive to every single one of them. Wow, so if I went on a standard elimination diet where I was eating rice pears and lamb for a couple of days, I'd probably still be miserable. Granted, some of my symptoms would go away because I eliminated the other twenty three of those foods that I couldn't have, but I would never get to the root cause of what's going on.
0: Can you imagine how frustrated how oh, frustrated people would be because they're thinking, "Hey, I'm eating clean, I'm doing this, yeah. and this. Right. I got rid of processed foods, and yeah. nothing is working." Yeah, yeah. Right. and so it's really interesting for people. I think not many people are really understated what elimination diets mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's so much buzz in the community about, "Hey, just go gluten free, or just do mm-hmm. this, and you're right. going to be fine and great." And they're still not great, and, they're and really maybe they'll see
2: improvements, right? right. But, but right, you know. And what um, the testing is? It usually a blood test or. The test
1: is a blood test. Mm -hmm. It's called a mediator release test. So what we Mm -hmm. look at is the chemicals in the blood that are released as a result of inflammation. So
0: Okay. And so what you're saying is we're we're talking about chronic inflammation in the body. Okay. And so let's talk a little bit, you guys, about chronic inflammation in the body, how it relates to autoimmune disorders. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of want to like see where we go with that. And I'm hoping to talk about how that Relates to diabetes as well and what we're learning. So, let's have that at it, YouTube. Yeah.
2: <laughs> do you want to jump to energy? You- so, chronic
1: inflammation, yeah. that's a big topic. Is a but big topic. It is. <laughs> I think one thing most people in the US following what I call or what I've heard be referred to as the SAD diet, so the standard American diet, have inflammation, are chronically inflamed because our diets are primarily gluten. Mm-hmm. Dairy and sugar, yeah. right? And
2: let's talk about inflammation too. So what I explained to my patients is, you know, okay, I, you know, I'm cutting strawberries, whatever. And I cut my finger, like I have acute inflammation. That's a good thing. Like I right. want, I want that area to get inflamed right, exactly. because that allows nutrients and, you know, oxygen and all that stuff to, to go there and help heal that cut. Right. But essentially chronic inflammation, my understanding is basically there's that process happening all throughout the body all right. the time. Right, um, And that's where we see more of links related to things like diabetes and heart disease mm-hmm. and um, cholesterol issues and that, and that sort of thing. So that's kind of, I think people just have a lot of questions about what is inflammation yeah. to begin with.
1: I refer to it simply as chaos in the body. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So when body's in chaos, it doesn't perform optimally. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. doesn't do what it's supposed to right. do. So we end up with these chronic diseases. We end up with
0: diabetes and heart mm-hmm. disease. And, it, and it, it cancer likes, and right. it affects every single organ. Right. And then you put on top of that, just as a little caveat, because I'm not the registered dietitian here, <laughs> stress. Oh yeah. Not right. sleeping well. Yep. Sitting on your backside all day, you right. know, not exercising. Mm-hmm. And you put all of those different factors. A perfect into storm. It it's a perfect storm and then what we have is this american diet that's basically processed foods anything that causes inflammation like you're you're talking about and so we wonder why we spend more money on healthcare in this country mm-hmm. and we have more obesity in right. this country than many countries you know you know involve, many of them mm-hmm. so so what do we do here it's so what you're talking about is we have chronic inflammation people aren't feeling well it affects their work. It affects their private life. Right. What is a suggestion that you guys have for
2: people just as a start to address it? I mean, I think as a start is taking a step back and just realizing like, what are you putting in your mouth every day? You know, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people don't have a good understanding of that. Um, you know, whenever I work with patients, I'm like, Oh, tell me, you know, tell me a little bit about what you ate yesterday and walk me through a tip, you know, yesterday, okay. put me a picture and they start kind of talking through it. And they're like, Oh yeah, I did have that Snickers bar. Like they don't remember, <laughs> uh, you know, there's, um, the Cornell study that says we make on average about 221 food and beverage decisions every single day, every 24 hours, 221. Wow. Two years, mm-hmm. It was, uh, researched by Dr. Ryan Wansink. And so you know, even like driving down the road and seeing an ad for Chick-fil-A, like you're still making that decision of like, do I go to Chick-fil-A or not? Right. right. And when you go to the grocery store, you probably make 50 decisions. Starbucks, you make 30, you know, like what kind That's of true. milk? What? Right. And so what happens is we, we get so bogged down with so many decisions that we're making that each one of those decisions seems super insignificant, right? I'm just going to do it this once and it's no big deal. And then that adds up over time. So a good statistic is, you know, if you and everyone blames soda, right? Because it's easy. You can look at it and be like, yeah, this is the issue. But if you had one can of soda, so 12 ounces every day for a year, that translates to 36 pounds of sugar you're putting in your body. right If you do that 365 days a year. So again, those like little decisions. So I think the first into any problem, the first thing is you need to create an awareness and realize what you're doing. The second thing, of course, is you should come see a registered dietitian, right? <laughs> right on. Right on. And, and that's what's so fun. Like, we
0: get to interact, you know, three days a week. And it's really cool because we talk about our patients and, uh, and, and, and we refer back and forth and we consult. And we've had major, major success stories with mm-hmm. patients as a result of that. And then you look at Carrie, you're working at MD Anderson and you're working with cancer patients. Right. So can you, Talk to me a little bit about what that's like and how that ever happened. Like the fact that you have oncologists, allopathic practitioners that like want to work with you and like let's fix their diet and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, so I I work in an integrative clinic, so everybody is pretty on board with the whole body health approach, which is nice. So I work with very closely with a nurse practitioner who is trained in functional medicine, and I work with a doctor who is trained in Ayurvedic medicine. So in our clinic, those are the type of things that we do. We have a massage therapist, we have two acupuncturists, we have yoga
0: therapists.
1: So you would love it. Yeah. So when patients come see us, they get that holistic whole, approach. Yeah. Whole, yeah. Absolutely.
0: Mind, body, and soul.
1: Right. So I kind of I found this job just kind of on a whim, I wasn't even planning on working in oncology, and I saw integrative therapy, and it's a passion of mine. So I applied for the job, and it worked out, which was fabulous because we've made a lot of strides since I got there, which
0: has been nice. And I bet you your patients so appreciate that too. To yeah, be able to spend the time with you and to get stronger, healthier. Be Absolutely, it's nice better. to have everybody
1: on the same page. Mm-hmm. So I'm not constantly fighting somebody when I try to take dairy out of a diet or gluten or sugar, you know, when we're trying to cut those things back because it's in the best interest of the patient and they're fully on board, you know, willing to try anything. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have a group of people that supports me, backs me up when a patient goes to see them and says, oh, the dietitian told me that to do this. Do I really have to do it? Yes, you do.
0: Do you actually do food testing with them?
1: I do. Yeah. So since I got there in April, we started doing food sensitivity testing. Probably tested a handful, 10 or so patients, and we've had some really amazing results. So most of the patients I work with, I should clarify, are not going through active treatment. So okay. some of the breast cancer and prostate cancer patients are, but the majority of them are cancer survivors or Remissions. yeah, okay. or their treatment is pretty low mm-hmm. risk. Like they're not having a lot of There's symptoms. L- not a lot of
2: nutritional malnutrition risk.
1: Yes, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. So removing some things from their diet isn't a huge concern. Whereas if the patient was mm-hmm. going through treatment,
2: chemo, and chemo,
1: radiation, yeah. right. we would not want to remove a whole bunch of foods mm-hmm. because we don't want to take that away from them. We right. want them to be able to eat what they need to eat to nourish the body to be able to handle the treatment that they're going through. So the patients that I work with are usually focusing on weight loss or adapting to a healthy diet and wanting to decrease inflammation or dealing with other comorbidities like um, diabetes Mm -hmm. or heart disease or uh, fibromyalgia, lupus. I see quite a few people with autoimmune diseases. So being able to offer the anti-inflammatory, the food sensitivity diet has really turned a lot of people around. I had a patient come in last week actually with fibromyalgia and she sat down and said, I was able to sleep through the night.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I that's have fantastic. not been
1: able to sleep through the night. I've been in so much pain. I can't sleep through the night and I'm not sure what you did, but I can sleep.
0: Let's see, So, how rewarding is that? right? And, and for people to go to traditional practitioners, well, I don't like Categories might <laughs> categorize me in there, but I am. Mm-hmm. And for us to just be able to say, "This is how it's going to be," you know, da yeah. da 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 da, and then be able to actually reach out to people like you mm-hmm. and get hope in a more natural way, right? Not using medications, right? And feeling empowered to just be healthier,
2: absolutely. And I, you know, That's I always amazing. say too, because the other part of my world is, um, and and a private practice not my own but um, in a family practice and I always say that you know scope of practice too right? right so like as you know a physician's assistant or a nurse practitioner or a doctor even you don't have time to sit there and talk to a patient for an hour about what they're eating and quite frankly I don't know how long your initial appointments are but that I mean it takes an hour a lot of times because again right. we're making so many food decisions mm-hmm. every day and behavior change is hard right, right. and so I, I don't ever really put it on my providers of like oh you're not doing you know my you're not God. doing it. Yeah, you're not well, doing a good and, job. And honestly, right? we like, don't want to do that. because we're not totally. we don't have the expertise. And that's I, why the partnership right. is fantastic. Right. Is because right. it's like, hey, I want you to see this dietitian, right. you know, um, because I, I want your blood sugars to improve or I want your yeah. inflammation to go down. And and that's really the best, the best approach. Well,
0: and for me, it's like, you know, that a lot of patients come in and they go, I just don't want to be on medications. Yeah. Right. And I go, you know, we may have to be on medications Absolutely. for a while. Mm-hmm. But hey, if we work on diet and if we look at your entire mm-hmm. lifestyle, maybe we can get you off medications. Yeah. And Lynn and I mm-hmm. have had a couple successes. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, so go and it's for only it, we've
2: only been working together. What uh, you started in April, right? So that would be the end of April. End of April. So, <laughs> so just in that short period of time, and one in particular, I actually saw today, um, who you know had um, was diagnosed with diabetes and you know, is it was kind of her it was her wake up call. She was like, you know what? Like I caused this. Like I I can actually cause this. I have a family history of it and all that kind of stuff. But you know, there's things I could be doing to help myself. And that was something else you asked me earlier. Where do people start? And I had a long conversation with a friend this weekend in Chicago about, you know, we have this environment that is pro bad choices, right? Like it's it's very much that the case. And it's unfortunate that we have to go outside of our normal to get a better, healthier choice. But there's also that level of personal responsibility too. And this patient was very much like, I haven't been taking personal responsibility for it. And so, you know, through working with with her and Barb and myself and getting, you know, A1Cs checked every three months to see, which is the measure of blood sugar average for the last three months. Um, but checking to see is her blood sugar truly coming down, it's come down to a level where she doesn't even have prediabetes. And so mm-hmm. through through our work together, Barb's been able to say, you know what, like, you actually don't need this diabetes medication anymore because you're doing it on your own. And to her, that that was her motivation. And, you know, she's still continuing to stay motivated. I saw her today and, you know, every day is a struggle, right? Every day there's challenges, but she's able to stay motivated because she knows like, I don't want to go back on that medication. Yeah.
0: And the cool thing is we work in a workplace environment inside enterprises and we're keeping them healthy. They're getting back to the workplace. They're more productive. They feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. They know they can reach out to us anytime in the clinic and to ask questions and things like that. And it's it's really rewarding to see people that came in with A1Cs of like, you know, 12. And I have another gentleman who um, just with a little bit of diet well, with diet management, but I did have to do medication mm-hmm. management. You know, we got his triglycerides down from um, 900 and he's down to 223. Wow. And it was like awesome to be able to call him up and say, okay, you're getting close. Now, the next step is we need to mm-hmm. eliminate this, think mm-hmm. about this, uh, add some extra exercise. Right. And he's someone who hasn't established with Lynn yet. And I always say, hey, we've got an amazing dietitian here that can really help you out. And a lot of it's accountability. Mm -hmm. Like they just need someone to nudge them, you know, and say- To
2: ask you how things are going. That's what I always say. I'm like, I'm here for accountability. So, you know, myself, I need accountability. I broke my ankle two and a half years ago and- I was seeing a PT, and she was, you know, asking me twice a week, "Hey, are you stretching?" And guess what? I was stretching. And then as soon as she discharged (laughs) me, totally. And as soon as she discharged me, like I do this for a living, right? As soon as she discharged me, like, ask me the last time I stretched. Exactly. Like, so I always say, like, everybody needs accountability in different areas of their life, right? And so, (laughs) John out there, so you know, I I just I kind of see that as that accountability piece. And you know, I I don't, I want to get rid of the misconception that when you come to a dietitian's office, we shake our finger at you. Like that's not, no, we're, not, not, the no, we're no. not the food police. No, we're not the food police. That's not our role. You know, we in- use a lot of integrate, a lot of motivational interviewing into our practice and you know, Hey, what went really well? Let's these goals. We set three goals when you left my office last week, you know, right. two weeks ago, what of those goals that went really well? Like what, what is just going great and why is it going great? Like, what are you, you know, oh, I'm eating more fruits and vegetables in the middle of the day. Great. How, like why are you do how's that happening? Oh, I'm packing my lunch, you know, on right. Sundays for the week. Perfect. Okay. Things that aren't going so well, what do we need to do differently to make that go better? You know? And so just having that accountability and someone to bounce ideas off of. Awesome. Yeah. I've got to ask you the question. I am GMOs. <laughs> GMOs, <Okay>. GMOs, GMOs, GMOs.
0: <laughs> I uh yes. I'm kind of a preacher about GMOs. I uh just can't understand why we have any food sources in the United States with GMOs, but we do. Right. And uh, I want your take on it. Tell me what you guys think. What do you think, Lynn?
2: I, I don't think I know a whole nuts about it. I don't know um, enough about it. I think um, I've seen some research around GMOs with soy. Um, and I t- personally, I try not to do anything soy-based that's GMO. But quite honestly, like this is another role of a dietitian is to step back when they don't know a whole lot okay. versus to be able to say like, you know, oh, I think this, even though I don't have the research to back it up. Uh, so in general, I try to stay away from any soy-based products that are GMO based mm-hmm. on research I've read, but I really don't know enough about anything else to speak yeah. to that.
1: So I have I have one experience with GMO that I um, learned while I was in school at a study or I was looking at a study. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine was doing research on GMO corn. Right. I want to say it was corn or tomatoes. She was using a gene from... No, it was with corn. Sorry. She was using corn and used a gene from Mm -hmm. peanuts because they survive a frost. Right. So now the corn can survive a frost, but the issue was that now there's a gene from peanuts, which a lot of people are allergic to mm. in corn. And so people are then having reactions to corn because right. of the protein from the peanut. So that's my really my only yeah. experience with it. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like mix it whenever I yeah. can. But beyond that, I'm not...
2: And I always think grand scheme too, right? Right. So like, okay, I get a patient who comes in to see me and they're eating sugar breakfast cereal in the morning and they're eating, you know, drinking soda every day and they're going out for fast food every day. Like Mm -hmm. getting them to move from that to, you know, a more balanced diet that has, yes, some GMOs in them. Like that's, that is a step now. And down the road, like, do we get them maybe more to where um, we're using, you know foods that aren't GMO sourced potentially, but I mean I also know it's pretty difficult in this country to find that unless you're right. like me and you grow tomatoes in your garden in just <laughs> January. Oh <my> God, <laughs> okay. So okay, so we
0: so we got the GMO thing. Now yeah. organics. I'm throwing out things that people want to know about. Sure, because yeah. sure. Like, all I do is eat organics. So
2: thoughts on organics. So uh, I'll, do you want, do you want to jump in or do you want me to? You take it away. So I used to work with college students, and again, I always say the at goals, what school? At Oregon State University. Right the beavers. Woo. So I always say that, you know, the the goal here is to get people eating more fruits and vegetables. We know from research that eating having your diet consist of primarily fruits and vegetables um, reduces inflammation, reduces Absolutely. risk of diabetes, re- I mean all these different things. So with my college students, the amount of fruits and vegetables they could consume if they're buying organic was very low. And right. so for them, I said, okay, here's the dirty dozen, here's the clean fifteen. So Dirty Dozen is basically fruits and vegetables that are really a better idea to buy organic if you're going to. So think like strawberries, anything that has permeable skin versus the Clean 15 are things that, hey, maybe it's not as big of a deal to buy these non-organics. So check those lists out. And if you feel so inclined to purchase organic things, purchase them off of that list, particularly. The research doesn't necessarily that I've seen doesn't say like organic is better but then you also have to look at where the funding is coming for the research as right, well. Right, right, right. So, I mean, I think it comes down to fi- balancing finances compared to balancing health. And I'm right. always a believer of the more produce, the better. You wanna So,
1: in? yeah. So I refer a lot to the environmental working groups, mm-hmm. Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 as well. And usually how I phrase it to patients, if they're on a budget and trying to make it work, then I say... If it's on the dirty dozen, take the time to at least price compare, Mm -hmm. you know, have that education behind it Mm -hmm. because oftentimes grocery stores, health food stores have really good deals Mm -hmm. on organic produce Mm -hmm. that a mango may only cost Mm -hmm. an extra 10 Mm -hmm. cents if it's organic and you can, you can swing that, that Mm -hmm. works for you. So having the education to back it up, like, no, I'm not choosing organic bell peppers because it's a dollar more. Totally. And I wouldn't choose that either The other thing is, if you don't go through produce fast enough, so you don't want to buy the organic because you're going to have to throw it away, Mm -hmm. looking at freezing it. Um, So frozen organic, because when we use pesticides on our produce, they grow into the produce. So even though it's not on the outside or you wash it really well, it still is there.
2: And then the other thing I always say is dilution is the best solution too, right? So Mm -hmm. um, like Carrie was saying, you know, if the bell pepper is, you know, $2 more for the organic one, getting a non-organic one every once in a while, it's not, it's not the end of the world, you know? And so that's kind of another thought around it as well.
0: Awesome. I'm loving this. Now, the next question is, you know, we're talking about like weight loss, everybody, everybody, it's the first of the year, you know, all these uh, goals that we have and, you know, probably most people it's, I want to lose weight. Okay. First question, calories in versus calories out. What's the scoop you guys?
1: I think there's a little bit of truth to that, obviously, but it's the quality of the calories. So Mm -hmm. people say you are what you eat, and I always say you are what you absorb. So we need those nutrients. And if you're getting 200 calories from a piece of pizza, the nutrient value isn't the same as 200 calories in carrots, which would be a lot of carrots, but... The quality yeah, and the
2: calories does matter. That's a good point too. And that's what I always tell my patients too, is volume matters. So my mm-hmm. favorite example is a medium order of French fries, like any fast food joint, you have to eat 12 cups of broccoli to get the same amount of calories as in that medium order of French fry, right? Right. So I think that like Carrie said, there is some truth to, to calories and calories out, but really, you know, it becomes more of a matter of quality. What are you absorbing? And then also like that broccoli is going to keep you fuller for longer. And I'm not suggesting any of our listeners... You know, to eat twelve cups of broccoli for dinner—that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> well, we know that the result of that's going to be, don't we? <laughs> but but you get the point yeah. that like it, right. it, Whenever we're trying to make these lifelong changes yeah. around weight loss, volume matters. Yeah. It counts because right. um,
1: there's there's the vitamins and minerals, and then the the, the plants that we're eating provide additional nutrients called phytonutrients, yep. and then the right fiber then. that keeps us full. Like Lynn was saying, yeah. So. We could do a whole show a on
2: phytonutrients. Like I'm fascinated by that. It's like I, the yes. newest area in nutrition. Like when you're big nutrition nerds, like Carrie and I, right? right. Like, like that. You're not nerds. <laughs> that no. that is such a fascinating topic to me. Right. Um, what we're learning about phytochemicals and how they reduce, perhaps reduce risk for cancers, right. and they themselves decrease inflammation in the body. And so right. I'm glad you brought I that up. I just did a
1: cooking class on that with oh, a bunch nice. of our patients. Really? So we focused on winter colors, and we talked about different root vegetables we prepared a lot of different recipes using root vegetables in different colors and talking about the benefits of That's the phytonutrients awesome. and how they decrease inflammation it was it was a good class yeah
0: now tell me that these guys don't know a lot about <laughs> nutrition <laughs> right on so all right so we're, we're learning about that and a patient comes into you and they go hey um what are my macros what does that mean
2: so macros is abbreviation for macronutrients and so basically, you know, we have macronutrients and micronutrients. Mm -hmm. Macronutrients is anything that provides calories. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would consist of protein, carbs, and fat. So carbohydrates, sorry, and fat. Um, And then, I mean, alcohol provides calories as well, but it's not considered a macronutrient because it's not like we're trying to incorporate that in all the time. Although glass of wine every once in a while is awesome, unless you're pregnant like me anyway. (laughs) And then the micronutrients um, are, you know, vitamins, minerals, and water basically. So that's what a macronutrient is. Okay. And then people
0: come in all the time and they go, How many macros should I have? Yeah. Is there, I, we may be getting out of the scope a little bit, but is there an easy formula for people? Because they'll come in to me all the time and I'm doing my macros. And if you guys don't know, I mean, it's it's no big deal, but it's interesting. Like behind closed doors on my side of it, right. it's like I hear all sorts of different things, you mm-hmm. know, about the organs, the macros. I hear about, ketogenic diets. So what's what's your feeling about ketogenic diets? Because that's a big buzz. And, uh, you know, it's in Atkins and all those kinds of things.
1: So a ketogenic diet is where you basically cut out all, most of the carbohydrates in your diet. You're following 20 to 25 grams of carbohydrates Mm -hmm. um, and eating primarily a high fat diet. Mm -hmm. So it was developed for people without epilepsy to stop seizures. Mm -hmm. And that's the it's functionality effective. of it. It's very very effective. For, the seizures. For weight loss, I guess it is also effective, but it's right. not the healthiest diet. So when we cut out the carbohydrates, we're not eating our whole grains and getting vitamins from our whole grains. We're not getting a lot of fruits and vegetables because those have fiber in them and fiber is carbohydrate right. and sugar from fruit. Mm-hmm. So
2: the other thing I always like to talk to my patients about too is um, sustainability of what they're doing. Right. And right. so I tell my patients like, Any goal that you set in my office, if you don't see yourself meeting this goal a year down the road, two years down the road, six years down the road, this is not the goal we set for you. Right. And so, uh, from a diabetes perspective, as far as macros are concerned, um, you know, obviously there's always that emphasis on carbohydrates with diabetes because that's the biggest predictor of blood sugar rise following a Mm -hmm. meal. Now, how your blood sugar responds to fruit juice or soda is going to be different. And that's carbohydrate based is going to be different than how it responds to quinoa, right? Like those are two different things, but, um, you know, that I would say I I pay attention to macros a little bit more in a patient with diabetes. Um, So a ketogenic diet for someone with diabetes probably isn't the best idea. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, especially if they're on, in fact, we have a patient, um, you know, they're using insulin and, um, really, you know, if you're, using injectable insulin like your body's not producing it there's no check and balance to to prevent low blood sugar and so if you're not getting those carbs on a regular basis and you're injecting the same amount of insulin that's a perfect storm for hypoglycemia or low blood sugar which is really dangerous
0: right and also with a ketogenic diet just renal functions kidneys in right. the kidneys and things yeah. like that and what's interesting is like everybody's just looking for that i should say everybody That was bad. But a lot of people are just looking for like that one-up diet that's going to give them... And it's effective.
2: It'll work. Like, you know, patients come back to me and a few months after they're like, I want to do this. And I'm like, I can't stop you. Right. Right. Um, And it's effective. They they definitely, you know, see that weight loss and they feel really good. And, you know, but then the holidays come and they start eating cookies. Right. (laughs)
1: Trying to incorporate those carbohydrates back into your diet. The ketogenic diet just doesn't teach you how to portion control and Mm -hmm. how to really eat in a sustainable way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So listen out there, everybody think about that. You know, we're all looking for quick fixes, but really it goes back to great nutrition. Right.
2: Mm -hmm. And small changes. And
0: small changes, very, very slowly, methodically, getting the family to buy into it. Absolutely. Um, the mm-hmm. one thing about it is if one person is on a type of diet and the rest of the family isn't supporting it or following it, yep. I mean, statistically, you're going to fail, right? It's really mm-hmm.
1: hard to stay on board you if you don't have that support. support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so it's, it's, it's tough. And then exercise is really important. So tell us a little bit about when you're uh, counseling your patients mm-hmm. for like weight loss mm-hmm. or your diabetic mm-hmm. patients or your cancer survivors. Like, how do you address exercise with them in conjunction with this?
2: Well, I'll jump in here as a dietitian. The first thing you always do is get an assessment. Where are you at now? Right? right. Like, are you doing anything active at all? Does it hurt when you're active? What? Like, what does that look like? Um, so, getting that assessment, and then the, the second piece of that is baby steps. Like, maybe I have a patient that says, you know, I'm walking my dog um, two times, you know, once a day, and I say, that's great. And I say, you know, when you're walking your dog, tell me about your breathing. Like, are you getting to the point where you're huffing and puffing? It's difficult to carry on a conversation because that's really where we want you at, um, where your heart rate is elevated. And if not, then you know, let's increase the pace. And then kind of baby stepping. Like, how do we increase that to maybe, you know, walking your dog? And then two or three days a week, you're also, you know, doing a resistance video as well. Something, something along those lines. And really what we know from research is for weight maintenance, about 150 minutes of exercise per week, truly sustainable long-term weight loss, about 250 minutes per week. Um, that's outside of activities of daily living. And then trying to make sure at least two of those days each week is some sort of resistance-based exercise. And the reason behind that is um, that increases our uh, muscle tissue and right. you know muscle tissue is more metabolically active. So that's going to exactly. help to increase metabolism as well. And then also, other like I, I teach a weightlifting class and the, literally the reason I teach it is because I have a really strong family history of osteoporosis in my family. Like my mom's was diagnosed, I think, with osteoporosis at like Forty-five, fifty, um, mm-hmm. and so we know that there's benefits to that around bone health, and just you know, in our seniors, especially, uh, you know, risk preventing risk of falling, and more, um, you know, flexibility and mobility, and things like that too. Right on.
1: Yeah, sure. I always phrase it to my patients as purposeful exercise mm-hmm. because I get a lot of I do I mow the lawn or I do clean the house or chores, you know, those kind of things. That yes, those are considered it's activities great. of daily yeah. living. That's fabulous that you're doing it. I'm glad you're not sitting on your butt the whole day, but we need that purposeful. I'm going to get out and intentionally go walk down mm-hmm. my driveway and back.
2: I like that word so, intentional. I use that a lot as well. Yeah, and
0: a lot of times what I tell patients is you have to schedule it like you schedule right. anything else. Or it's not going to happen, right? Uh, because we're so busy these days, and it's so easy to get on the couch and go watch Netflix and just forget about it. So it has to be purposeful,
2: right? And then I, I talk, sorry, I talk to my my diabetes patients a lot about. Um, why, like the why, you know, why, why is it important? And I was um, doing a continuing ad, which Carrie talked about earlier, we, we have to do in our profession. And so the presenter was saying that there was um, this study that they did where basically they looked at blood sugars um, and exercise. And what they found is that people with diabetes who exercised for even 20 minutes, like a 20 minute walk, they had the potential to reduce their blood sugar by what two units of insulin would do. Right. I believe it. Yeah. So if they're if they're eating dinner at five o'clock, let's say, and then they go with their wife on a walk, six o'clock, they have the ability to reduce their blood sugar as much as two units of insulin would. And when I say those words to a diabetes patient who's on insulin and they want to take less, they're like, Okay, where do I sign up? Like I'm you know, so it's all about kind of what motivates the patient as well.
1: That's pretty awesome. I'm gonna have to use that Mm -hmm. with my patients.
2: Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So again.
0: We have two amazing registered dietitians in front of us. What is amazing to me is that years ago, I had a dream about a practice and my practice would be integrating all sorts of different professionals together. One would be primary care, of course, and then having like a clinical uh, counselor Mm -hmm. and then having a registered dietitian on board Mm -hmm. and then having an exercise trainer or a physical therapist. Could you imagine that kind of practice? And these practices are starting to slowly evolve. Mm -hmm, My old practice, we did have the counseling piece. Mm -hmm. But what excites me as a practitioner is like, you guys are practicing amazing medicine in a sense that what you're giving patients is a great year. You're listening to what they're saying. You're developing plans like we develop plans. And We're and you're working together, and everybody has the same common goal of better health. Mm -hmm. Right. The medical community right now, we see a lot of providers where it's us against them, and I don't want you to do this, and Mm -hmm. I don't want you to do that. And it's almost broken. But when I see you two, it gives me hope. It Mm -hmm. gives me hope to know that medicine has potential to be awesome again. And the way it's going to, well, I'm a little precious because my upbringing a little bit. But again, because what do you guys are doing behind closed doors with your patients? And I want to personally thank you for that. And I don't understand why people don't go to their providers and say, hey, I want a referral to a registered dietitian. Mm -hmm. Just like they say, I want a referral to an endocrinologist. Just like they say, I want to refer to a cardiologist. And then these specialists should be doing the same mm-hmm. thing. The cardiologist should be saying, hey, you need to exercise, but you know, what? I think you should hook up with mm-hmm. a registered dietitian. I think there's such potential and it's already happening with yeah. your field. It's going to implode, especially with functional medicine, which you alluded to earlier, is like a big buzz. And what functional medicine is basically is providing all these services and coaching people where they're at to get where they need mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. And so- one of the reasons we even have this show is to bring people like you together to show people there's hope.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And like, I'm enlightened by this and, and 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 I have an inside track because I know you guys, but mm-hmm. think about millions of people out there that don't even know you exist.
2: And I always tell you know, my, my dad actually was um, going through a lot of health stuff. And I said, dad, you have to be your own advocate in healthcare. Right. You exactly. do. Right. And so, you know, what's crazy, and I don't know the stats on dietitians, but for certified diabetes educators... I believe the stat is that only seven percent of Medicare patients who have diabetes and who have the benefit for diabetes education actually receive diabetes education. Seven percent, and they have the benefit; like it's sitting there, right? And so they just one don't know, Um, and and we know the stats on when you get diabetes education, how much improvement and you know your outcomes Mm -hmm. are, right? Right. And we all see it every day. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, and so. I always tell my patients, like, you have to be an advocate for your healthcare. Like come into your doctor with lists of questions. I do. Like I totally do. And I'm sure that they get super annoyed, but that's just that. I mean you have to be an advocate. Well, it depends on the provider. And for me, I
0: like lists actually because if I look at the list, I usually can help figure out what's going on. Yes. It's take but again, it goes back to taking the time. Mm -hmm. So if there was one thing that you could say to people right now about that they that they could do proactive for themselves just for better health from a standpoint as a registered dietitian. Lynn, what would you say? And just just uh, shout outs to uh, any social media or anything yeah. that uh, you'd like to share with us. Absolutely.
2: So I'm going to actually steal a quote because not steal, borrow. Um, work smarter, not harder, right? Um, <laughs> That's right. From, actually from Michael Polland. Um, and so his quote is, um, eat foods, not too much, mostly plants. Super simple, right? But it gets to the message of eating real food and being mindful of, do I need to eat? Like, am I, am I actually physically hungry or is this brain hunger? How much do I eat? All that kind of stuff. So obviously that along with movement and then just really baby steps, like it doesn't have to be, you know, this new year's resolution that is totally, you know, unrealistic and unattainable. Yeah, Uh, Maybe your your first step is going to be, you know, I'm going to swap out my morning sugary coffee, you know, with, tea, an unsweetened tea or, you know, an unsweetened coffee, well, I don't know, just something simple like that. So yeah, that just keep it simple, I think is the, the biggest approach. And, and you'll be surprised by the the results that you, you get kind of tying on to what you were talking about, integrative medicine. So my other role that I, have, I haven't have really talked a whole lot about is working at Paper Cranes Healthcare, which is a small family practice. And in, in, we're in Chandler and also in Queen Creek. And so it's kind of that idea where we're integrating these services into our practice. So we don't have physical therapists just yet, but we have a dietitian. So I'm there um, obviously. And then um, we also are a AAD accredited Diabetes center also, mm-hmm. so we do diabetes education there, and then we also have um, psycho- psychological and counseling services on board as well, um, along with all of our family um, practice work there. That's great. Um, and I also have congratulations. A special, thank you. I have a special place in my heart because that's actually what brought me down to Arizona. My husband and I were in the Pacific Northwest, and it's his family's company that. Um, started these practices and looking kind of at our healthcare system is broken, right? Right. So it's, we're not, the practice is not owned by doctors. It's owned by people who have had good and bad experiences in healthcare and said, you know what? Like, we just want to provide really good customer care and really, really good medicine. And this is how we're going to do it. And and be able to have people who are non-clinical sort of running the show and being able to hire really good clinicians who just get a practice medicine. Like that's all they do, Right. Right. And so, kind of a plug for that. So, papercreenshealthcare.com um, is where you can find that. And we are accepting new patients. So, woohoo. Woo. All right. Congratulations, you guys. Too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Facebook, you can find papercreenshealthcare. Yeah. Well. And I have some fun, like cooking videos and stuff like that on, on our website. Check so, out Lynn. or on Facebook. That's How awesome. about you, Carrie?
1: I, well, I really love that integrative practice. I think that's, the way that medicine mm-hmm. is going in the future, more and more consumers are standing up for themselves and making a change. Because yeah, it's great
2: because it's like, oh, you know, I want you to see this dietitian, and you see this too, Barb, you know, right. when we practice together, oh, well, where do I need to go? You know, where's, where are you referring me to? And it's like, nope, it's in this office. Just come back same time, right. same place, you know, and she'll see you in this office. And so I think that's a. or sometimes they'll grab me and say, hey, can you see this patient really quick? Right. Um, you know, and put a face with the name so they're mm-hmm. more likely to come back. So
1: anyway. So Tagging onto, I guess, what Lynn was saying about making small changes. I The one thing I would recommend is take a couple days, two days, like Lynn did, and write down the foods that you're eating, every single thing, and take a look back at it because building that awareness on what you're eating, uh, because we do so much mind, mindless eating, I think that really helps decide where you're going to make those small changes. So that would be my one little tidbit. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I am at feelgoodrd. And um, also have a Facebook page, Feel Good Nutrition, and a website, feelgoodnutrition.us.
0: Fantastic. Well, I think this is a wrap. This has been a great show. I really appreciate you guys making the time, especially after busy days at work. You got it. This is Best of Health brought to you by Ask the PA, Barb Regis. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And we've got a lot of great things happening. Until next month, take care.